Welcome to Raise the Line with Osmosis.org, seeking solutions with leading experts on how to increase healthcare capacity so people can get the care they need during the COVID-19 crisis and beyond. Hi, I'm Rishi Desai. Today we return to a frequent topic on Raise the Line, how the telehealth boom is impacting providers and patients and what the future holds for this modality. Our guide today is Guy Friedman, CEO of SteadyMD, a company he co-founded in 2016 to improve primary care delivery. SteadyMD rapidly expanded to providing telehealth care in all 50 states and developed a level of expertise in launching and scaling online services that led it to supporting other companies to do the same. It currently works with leading employers and online first companies delivering primary care, behavioral health, digital pharmacy, and other telehealth services. A previous guest on Raise the Line, Dina Shakir of Lux Capital, is a major investor in and board member of SteadyMD. Guy, thanks so much for being with us today. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Absolutely. So, you know, SteadyMD is not the first company you started. Tell me a little bit about your background and how you became, at this point, a, a serial entrepreneur. Sure. Yeah. The entrepreneurial journey starts in Philadelphia after I graduated from my MBA program. I started a company in the ed tech space. There was this emerging growth of online programs in ed tech, kind of a similar story we're seeing now in digital health, pretty parallel. My company, uh, it pivoted into this, but the eventual product was a platform for online proctoring of exams for colleges and universities. So when you take an exam online, we record you over the webcam or watch you over the webcam and observe you so you couldn't cheat on your online tests. So I did the full entrepreneurial round trip with that. We raised the VC round, we sold it. I worked for the acquirer. But um, while I was developing that product, I always thought there was this application to telehealth and it, because it's the same thing, scheduling a visit, connecting up with someone on the other end, maybe logging into a system that's different for each and every user that comes in, things like that. And so um, after I left, uh, I did my earn out after the acquisition and took some time off and really just studied the whole healthcare ecosystem for opportunities, specifically focused on telemedicine. And I got really passionate about primary care and building out a platform that would really build trust and relationships between patients and clinicians. And so the first iteration of SteadyMD was born out of that. And then, yeah, it eventually evolved into the company today. So just to understand kind of the healthcare space and what attracted you to it, what was it that brought you uh, into this sphere and, and specifically primary care? Yeah, I think as a founder, at least uh, in my experience, you really want to make as big of an impact as possible if you're going to be working on something. Um, healthcare, like no other industry, affects so many lives on the patient side, as well as like the clinician side, which is what we really focus on, a lot of our focus on over here is maintaining and um, building relationships with clinicians, as well as our partners and our patients. And so I think I was just inspired by the sheer kind of magnitude of the space and the opportunities there, and how uh, even if you burrow into one little corner of the healthcare industry, you can actually make a huge impact. So I think it was just a combination of the desire to really make a big impact on people's lives in a positive way, that that was really like the first motivation. And then I love complex and tricky business problems. <laughs> and I think healthcare has an ocean of them. So the ability to kind of have such a wide breadth of things to focus on and really focus on what you're passionate about, that inspired me to start looking at it. I love helping people. I love that every day you can wake up and 
if you do a good job, it impacts people's lives in a positive way. It's really just a great opportunity. And I'm lucky to be in the industry and be where we're at. And because it's, it's a big opportunity and responsibility for us at SteadyMD to all our partners and patients to take care of them in the best way. So that's, that's really been my motivation from the start though. So maybe I can use that as a launching point for this, which is, you know, there are a lot of virtual care platforms, right? And SteadyMD offers a number of services. Walk me through from a patient standpoint, what is different from what they get on SteadyMD that is not available elsewhere, available in a different way so that people can really kind of ground for themselves. SteadyMD works with partners across the digital health spectrum from labs to urgent care, primary care, mental health. Each one of those businesses in that space has a different clinical protocol, clinician type, order of operations and clinical operations around executing on an appointment. And so um, what we do is we help all those companies with their on-demand clinician workforce and their clinical operations with our team, as well as our product and technology. There's some incredibly innovative companies out there, and we allow them to have like a greater access, a greater group of the population. And so I like to think of us as really enhancing uh, and allowing all these innovative companies to grow and thrive. Um, most of the companies work with us because they want to focus on their product and tech, patient experience, maybe the clinician experience. The infrastructure for a digital health company to operate is such a complex and rigorous process that it really makes a lot of sense to partner with us instead of trying to do it on your own. And that's the reason a lot of these companies do that. We let them focus on building the best product possible and allow them to expand access to that across the country. Now you've mentioned, you know, from the beginning, that the aim was to match patients with providers that, you know, quote, got them, uh, really understood their needs. Um, how do you do that? And how is that different from kind of the current model? So, I mean, if you think about our roots, I think we were pioneers in this idea of allowing patients to match with the doctor that's aligned to them in their interests and in their background and history. And that was really what we worked on for years, honing that that was the product. It wasn't a byproduct of another product. Our product was matching patients with a doctor that was great for them and then building a long-term relationship with those patients. So if you think about the industry and how there's been a huge explosion of different digital health options, right? And so they're sort of doing the filtering on the front end of this patient is really interested in this care modality. They were interested in solving this specific problem. That's like the new pitch of all these point solutions that have been launched. And we can help find the perfect clinician for those patients. It's really an extension of what we were doing in the past. It's just at a bigger scale and helping other companies kind of match that sort of philosophy. So when we were in the consumer business, we were fully focused on virtual primary care. And now we can help everyone in the industry kind of fulfill their vision around matching their patients with the perfect clinician for the patient. You know, as, as a pediatrician, I'm just curious, you know, uh, I haven't used SteadyMD and, and I'd love to kind of trial it out, but how would it work on my side? Would it ask me questions of like, what kind of patients do you like to focus on? Or Yeah, most of our partners are digital health companies themselves. So we work with pediatricians or primary care doctors. Uh, they would sign a contractual relationship with our physician group. And then we'd source opportunities for those clinicians to work in the digital health space. So, you know, if we work with many companies from the digital health ecosystem, 
you'd have the opportunity to work on different platforms that care for patients in different ways. And um, our job is to really match that demand with supply and be the connective tissue between digital health companies and the clinicians who want to work in digital health. So with that in mind, I guess, what's the pitch then for providers to get them to join your team? Yeah, I know it's a great question. We want to be the best place in America for clinicians to work and live that. So, I mean, obviously at the high level, we want to enhance trust with our clinician network, make sure that they know that uh, they're given the autonomy to care for the patients in the best way possible. Really have invested a lot in clinical leadership to make sure we're screening out opportunities for them, making sure that they're clinically effective and viable. Uh, make sure they have a voice when there's an issue to a clinician as well as maybe the business side. And then I think on the clinician value prop, there's so many opportunities to work in digital health. I think five or six years ago, Teladoc maybe was an opportunity and maybe one or two other companies. Now there's literally hundreds, if not thousands of digital health companies that you could possibly work for. We really act as your agent and your partner in finding the best opportunities. So instead of trying to apply to a single company and, and working for them directly, you can work with us and have the opportunity to work for many different opportunities in the same category or space. And, um, I think clinicians really value that because it allows them to really focus on caring for the patient in the best way and not uh, a specific company that they put all their chips in or um, also variation, right? Uh, if you want to work on different modalities, we can let you work for multiple uh, digital health companies via our platform. So we have a really robust technology that connects the digital health companies, clinical protocol, their appointment modalities, things like that in, into a technology that allows our clinicians to work for multiple companies. So it's a really an interesting and varied day if you can be exposed to all these different cool digital health companies versus doing the same thing again and again. And, and you guys have expanded beyond primary care at this point, right? Like what are some of the other services that you guys have gone into? Yeah, I know we, we, um, we're obviously leaders in primary care. Um, we've expanded our network greatly, uh, NPs, MDs, DOs, PAs in that space as well. Um, and yeah, our mental health product is growing fast as well. So that's mostly mental health therapy. Got it. That makes sense. And, and obviously there's a huge need for that now to the point where it's almost kind of considered oh, yeah. part of primary care, right? Like it's absolutely no. And um, I'm super excited about what I'm seeing. Uh, I have the best job in the world because I have a front row seat to all the innovators. If they're growing or they're starting out or they're even these giant companies, uh, we get exposed and we get to hear about all the cool things they're doing. And then in the next sentence, say, yeah, we're going to help you grow and make sure that any patient that wants to use this, they're going to have access to a trained clinician that understands your business and is able to execute across that. Um, it's really fun. It's really fun to hear the different approaches that are out there. And I'm super bullish on the digital health industry because of that. A lot of times people are doing these new and innovative things that haven't been tried, obviously with a rigorous clinical research behind it. But I think there's just this explosion of offerings to patients for everything under the sun, great companies are going to emerge out of that. Uh, so we get to see them um, and, and help them grow and scale. It's actually really enjoyable for me just out of the intellectual part as well as the amazing business we're building. Um, so yeah, that, that's a big part of this. Can you share some examples of, of the companies that you work with and what are some of the specific things that they do that are creative that you've noticed? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we're not going to reveal any uh, client names unless there's permission, but 
there's different buckets, right? There's the um, direct to consumer point solutions, which are trying these like really innovative and scalable approaches to solving pretty complex issues. There's the um, new and innovative therapy companies with really cool tools and rigorous clinical backing, and they work with payers. There's the all the different combos of virtual primary care from your, we have a physical location and we need help with the online portion of this to we're fully online to we're urgent care plus access to this in-person experience. Like there's just so many interesting approaches to things across the spectrum, um, your home testing, right? And then with pharma delivery as well, there's been a lot of innovation unlocked there. And now you're seeing the combination of testing plus follow-up plus, you know, a longer term relationship with the patient, which we're engaging with as well. So there's just like a lot of cool examples out there. The federal government has facilitated the use of telehealth across the United States uh, with new regulations. Do you expect that those regulations would be made permanent? And if not, what do you think happens then? Yeah, I think some of them will. And some of them will go back to what it was pre-COVID. Um, I think the biggest one is the Medicare in-person requirement, which they waived early on in COVID. And uh, what a great natural experiment, right? And so now we know, um, I'm not aware of it not working out really well for people that actually used it. So that, that was a big one. The good part about a lot of these, about COVID and specifically what you're talking about is we had a natural experiment with maybe thousands, if not millions of appointments. And now we can actually see the data of like, did telehealth have a real impact on outcomes? So um, I think that's a good example. I think that one will be made permanent in my opinion. It's very hard to say we onboarded a patient via telehealth and now we have a relationship with them and you eliminate that. It's like basically you're taking something away, right? Um, so I think um, that one is a no brainer. They should. Um, I think the one that's exaggerated is like the multi-state licensing, because that's really a done at the state level. I, I mean, I'm the biggest proponent of one federal license for clinicians, but I think that one will take a little longer to break down, probably by compacts and stuff like that, just to get in the weeds a little bit. <laughs> uh, just so those are the two big ones. Um, and then there's some other stuff that happened, but those are the two that we really pay attention to. You know, kind of along those same lines, are, are there some common misconceptions that people have? It depends how in the weeds you are, of course. Like from the layman, you know, someone who's not in the healthcare space, the state licensing in the state level regulatory environment is always a shock, even though there's startup founders not in the industry. So there's always this, um, oh, the clinician needs to be licensed in the state where the patient is. Like at that moment, every digital health entrepreneur and then they say, oh, and then how hard is it to license a doctor in those states? I think the magnitude of the regulatory environment is under-exaggerated, even for people who start companies. I mean, I think when I originally started StudyMD, I didn't know the journey we had to go on there. It's like a matrix of laws. And then on one vector is all the states, which you have to go actually state by state and analyze it that way. Also, things that seem simple can get really complex really fast. An example I like to do is just like scheduling an appointment, but then you add in the callbacks, synchronous appointments, on-demand, follow-ups, reschedules. It, it gets pretty complex really, really fast. Um, and so I think sometimes the sheer complexity of the business gets under-exaggerated, even within the industry. And many times 
that's where we live, right? Study and do. We try and take all that complexity and our mission is to simplify that for ourselves as well as the industry. And so I think that's probably the biggest thing I hear is just like an assumption about that specific piece. And eventually you get to the point where you're like, oh no, this is something we really need help with. And that's where we come in. And, and of course you're talking about MDs or DOs, but then it gets complex when you start thinking about nursing as well. Like that's another ball of wax. Oh yeah. All the legal and regulatory stuff around that. And then just forecasting demand and building out a clinician workforce that can flex up or flex down based on your forecast. It's really complex and really difficult. That's why we're around, you know, I think um, we're embracing that complexity and running towards it so that we can build a product that helps the whole industry get capacity. You know, I'm curious, I've heard this rebut before about how, you know, you've got Uber and Lyft and here we've got a similar sort of analogous situation where doctors can kind of plug in, you can work on multiple platforms. And do you sense on any level, a reluctance from clinicians to be participating in kind of stuff like this? Because they're like, look, I'm now I'm just a gig worker. I'm not really kind of, a- I'm really happy you asked that question because it's like a key differentiator for SteadyMD. Um, we've spent years thinking about and building a whole business model around not treating the clinicians like commodities. And I know I've talked to hundreds at this point, maybe more, I don't know, but more than I can count, um, you have to really be respectful of the clinician experience, make sure they do not feel like that. You know, it's one of the highest burnout professions, especially in primary care. It's not a sustainable model just to treat the clinician like a fungible commodity that you can put in and out of a piece of software. And I would uh, encourage like, uh, you know, all the digital health entrepreneurs and product people listening, you have to build your product with that lens. Like when we're building our, our product of like what the clinician sees and works with, we're really thinking about burnout, respect for their autonomy, respect, you know, make sure that they're not being um, hammered by the same type of appointment for hours and hours and hours. Like, I think um, it's super important what you said. And no, I do not think you can make the analogy to like the traditional gig worker. I think the workforce is very different. And now we're really developing expertise around that specifically. It's not a pure linear optimization problem that you can just put on a spreadsheet. You have to really be very respectful of the clinician. You know, if they're happy and comfortable and they feel like they're being productive and they feel like they're making an impact, they're going to do a lot better job taking care of patients. And so if you want to impact patients' lives, make sure you're taking care of the clinicians in a robust way. So I mean, if you ask hundred clinicians. I mean, a lot of them really feel burnt out. They feel like the administration of wherever they're working just treats them like just squeezing them for more and more and more. They feel underpaid. Um, so I'm really glad you asked that because it's a, such a contrast to how we feel about our clinician network here that uh, I'm glad we got to it basically. No, I'm glad. And maybe to, to follow up on that a little bit is like, what are some of the complaints you hear from people working in a traditional model? And how is that alleviated? So like, for example, I mentioned at the outset, I'm a pediatrician myself, and I've worked in many different healthcare settings, including telehealth settings as well. And so like, what in your mind is like the key difference? Like, what are some key complaints that people had that have gone away? Or There's the objective, right? Pay, just like pressure, um, boring, like this is a boring thing. I don't want to do this again. again. And then there's the stuff that, that is even a little more subjective, but trust, autonomy, 
the feeling like you can raise a concern and be respected. And it's not just all about pure business, actually living out this idea that number one priority is caring for the patient in the best possible way. And we want you to focus on that and building that trust with the clinician workforce. And we work hard at it. Um, honestly, I'm, I'm not perfect, but my dream is really like to be the best brand in the category that not just be the best brand, but actually live it out and do it. <laughs> and so I think uh, one of the challenges for me personally is like, how do you build that into the business model itself? Not just say it, it's not just like a value statement. No, it's actually built into the business model, all the themes I'm saying. And so maybe we could be a market leader in that. To me, that's like a long-term position. In the short term, of course, like you can go full Uber, you know, but long-term, I want to be the home for the clinician in digital health. Basically, um, we're the destination, we're the de facto place. And in order to do that, we need to live out those values. So I think that's a, that's a big focus for us on how to implement that in a rigorous way while um, obviously maintaining a good business. Um, clinicians get it though, they get it. If you're open with them and transparent, they get it. It's just, for some reason, there's this like opaqueness that startups, other digital health companies, they have with their clinician workforce. Um, I try and be as transparent as possible because trust goes both ways, right? I mean, when you need a clinician to, to help you on something or you have a project that really needs someone to dig in and go the extra mile, they're going to be more likely to do that if you have trust and transparency with each other. To me, that's a big impact we can have on society as well as our companies to live that out. That makes a lot of sense. And I honestly think that's a, a fantastic note to end on because a lot of students in the audience are probably excited about the options in front of them, uh, options that they didn't have you know, a decade ago even. Yeah, come on. We would love to have you all the students listening, <laughs> come on down. That's awesome. Well, listen, thank you so much for joining us today, Guy, and for sharing your wisdom about your journey. That was fantastic. Love it, man. Now keep doing what you're doing too. I know you're making a big impact as well. I've known uh, Shiv for a long time. Uh, I'm really happy where you guys ended up and uh, continue to do all the good work you do. But thanks for having me. I appreciate that. I'm Rishi Desai. Thanks for checking out today's show. Remember to do your part to flatten the curve and raise the line. We're all in this together. For more information on how you can help raise the line and flatten the curve, go to osmosis.org slash COVID-19. If you like this podcast, please share it on your social channels. You can also subscribe to the series and check out all of our podcasts at osmosis.org slash raise the line podcast.